0: hey good morning or good afternoon depending on wherever you at uh if you're tuning in on today's episode episode nine of the restricted zone podcast uh my name is colin Simprom, and today i'm with the usual crew mine is two people uh mar and chris introduce yourself
1: hey, yo, what's up everybody what's up, yeah, how feeling
0: today? and uh today we got a special guest uh appearing on today's episode his name, uh, his name is Chris, and he has his own podcast. He's a co-host of it. It's called Straight
2: to the Point Podcast. I'm going to let Chris take over. Introduce yourself, Chris. What's going on, everybody? My name is Chris, like Colin said. i co- co-host of Straight to the Point. Thank you all for having me. I'm glad to be here. All
0: right. And uh, we missed last week uh, a bunch of stuff we could have talked about. We're going to talk about it this week and then some uh we're we're not we're the usual crew minus two people uh they won't be available but hopefully next episode they will be so let's start off with the Eagles you know big Eagle fan here another big Eagle fan in Chris uh I mean we beat the Giants nothing really be impressed about you know they're a bad team but you know it was a good win uh so, so what do you think Chris my fellow Eagles fan what do you think <laughs>
2: I think it's I think it's an uh it could either go one or two ways. It could be a misleading win because they beat up on a on a team that's bad and they, it took a lot out of them to overcome a bad team. They shot themselves in the foot plenty of times. but I think that this could also be one of those games that sparks a run for them. you know you get some confidence, you get some momentum, and then you have divisional games coming ahead. You got another game with the Giants coming up, you get the cowboys coming up. So I think that this game could go one of two ways. It could either be a spark that they need to, to win a terrible division. Or I think that this could be one of those games where it's like, yeah, you pulled it up and you were lucky, but you really showed what you were. And that's really a bad team. So, you know, they shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, but maybe just maybe this could be the spark that they need. I mean, you might think it could be the sparking in the knee. I'm just not too optimistic
0: about this season. They might win six. If you're really optimistic as an Eagles fan, you'll hope they win seven. But eh, I think I've been leaning towards six. Uh, I'm looking for a Giants fan on this podcast. Hey, Giants fan, you mind speaking up? We did beat y'all. Um,
1: let me say what I have to say because all <laughs> that is unnecessary. <laughs> when the Eagles won, but – I don't think it's gonna spark or anything, or I don't think it means anything because it was it was a bad team without their best player, and they won by one point. And late in the game, the Giants just kept getting called for holding and passing interference in the red zone. So, and it was it it was they called it on second down, it would have been third down, but then they got another one. So they kept moving, like they they just kept getting first downs all over again. So. I don't think this really means anything because they had to fight back to a team that was terrible without their best player.
0: Okay, uh, I see where you're coming from. Um, I'm gonna see what uh, Christopher says uh, on what's your take on on the, the Eagles being the Giants, even though it's the Giants. Like, what do you think you could take from that? You think this could be a spark for them? Well, honestly, I don't. What I take from it is y'all yeah, just be a division opponent, but watching the game was basically just trash against trash. So I don't Whoa. know how much you can take. So let me finish before you cut me off. I don't really know what you can take from it. But kind of like what Mars said, y'all won, but the Giants – I think the Giants more so beat themselves than y'all actually winning because, like he said, they had some bad penalties against them. Not only that, but, but a little bit after the um, – was it before the two-minute warning? Before the two-minute warning, Everett Ingram dropped a wide-open pass. He catches it that the game's over. Because now they're in field goal range. Now you had to stop and you have to waste your timeouts and stuff. So, like I said, y'all y'all won. Y'all came back and stuff. But, like, really, what do you take away from it? It was the Giants. It was, again, two bad teams playing against each other. So, I mean, I don't know what to take from it. Just one team beat the other. That's all I can say. All right. I mean, if that's, if that's your case, then we'll just move on to the next topic. So, Raiders fan, this is where you shine, Mr. Christopher. You guys beat the Chiefs. I didn't – I'm not going to lie. I didn't see that coming. I thought they would have cooked you. Uh, I bet you. I bet you did. <laughs> so, I mean, what so – what, so, I'm going to let the Raiders fan go ahead first. I mean, what – so, what do you take away from this win, if you guys being the Chiefs? So, what did that mean f- for your season? It was a statement win, but, I mean, that's two weeks ago and we got focused on this week. I think what we showed everybody is we can be a competitive team. I don't know if we'll be in the playoffs or not. I think at the least we will be in the hunt for it. I don't know if we'll be a wild card team. I don't know if we'll miss it, but we'll be in the hunt. But to show that we can be a competitive team. Now, what hurts, That what's really hurting the Raiders right now is, it's not injuries, but this pandemic hit the Raiders. And right now, for tomorrow's game, our entire starting offensive line will not play, and Jonathan Abram is out because of COVID. They said it's a slight chance they could play, but they got to, pass the test tomorrow, and I don't, I think they had to pass another test before they can even play for real, for real. So, they're really skeptical of if they'll play or not, which is why our game would move from prime time to now a 4 o'clock game. I mean, again, we're going to we're play a good team against the Bucks. It's I, I don't know how competitive it will be due to us losing a key part of our offense. I mean, we really rely on the offensive line doing do thing. I think we have a really underrated offensive line also, but I think Losing the entire starting offensive line is going to hurt us. Now, we have to see what the Bengals can do. I mean, the good bright side of it is the Buccaneers defensive line, it's okay, but it's not really all that. So, it's not like they're going to get back there and stop Josh Jacobs, but it, they could um, cause pressure to uh, Derek Carr. So, we just got to see how that goes. All right, all right Chris. I mean, Kent, uh, what's, what's your other take? What's your take on the – the Raiders being the chiefs, what do you think it means for the Raiders?
2: I think it's a statement when like he, like Chris said, um, because you go out there and you prove that you can you can hang with the best team in the league, like we all agree that the chiefs are the best team in the league. Um, they have weapons, you know the Raiders they, they kind of quest they kind of silence those those doubts about Derek Carr at least for this week at least for next week that maybe he can be the guy long term in Oak, um, Las Vegas, sorry but With this whole COVID thing that's going on now, I think that this was quite a blow to the Raiders because it's hard to have a cohesive unit, especially an offensive line where you have pretty much your entire backup line, and then you have your franchise quarterback, franchise running back. That disrupts a lot of things, you know, people who are not used to playing with each other. um, Maybe you're not used to the, the plays that's being run. You don't get that first team tick all the time. So you're maybe you're not as prepared as you would normally be. I think that um, even though Coach Gruden said that that there's a good chance that four out of the five offensive line starters will play tomorrow, um, moving that game up, you know, out of primetime, you move that game four hours up. That's four hours less time you have to prepare. If the offensive, the backup offensive line were to be playing, they can't practice, so they're doing what, film study on Zoom. Yeah. Like how 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 viable is that, you know? Um, so when you look at the NFL moving that game up, they're saying that the Raiders, you know, caused a lot of a lot of this to themselves, and maybe this is kind of their punishment. But mm-hmm. the Raiders have been playing um, solid football. Josh Jacobs is, you know, arguably one of the best running backs in the league, and and Derek Carr has been spreading the ball around nicely, um, not you know limiting turnovers, and that's the recipe for success.
0: Okay, I mean. Uh definitely we're gonna still touch on the Raiders. Uh the Raiders are supposedly they're playing your next appointment is you guys are playing the Browns. I mean, so what do you think about that that matchup right there? Do you think the, the Browns win that or you think the Raiders win that? We play the Buccaneers. Oh, excuse me, the Buccaneers. I apologize. Uh Antonio Brown isn't playing. He's not he's not starting until week nine. Uh, yeah, still up. So, you know, and in the touch on that make that transition. What do you think about Antonio Brown signing with the Tampa Bay? You think uh, that gives Tom Brady some more wings or it doesn't mean anything? I mean, I I guess I can start off. Uh, I think it's going to hurt them more than it helps them. And I think it's going to hurt them because they already have two stud receivers and uh, Mike Evans and Chris Dowling. So I don't really understand the entire purpose of bringing in another Stud receiver who wants the ball in the hand, just like Mike Evans wants the ball. Chris Godwin wants the ball. He's still trying to prove himself. I mean, he's only a second-year player, so I think bringing in another top-tier receiver that's going to hurt somebody's touches, and that could make them uncomfortable to playing, uh, playing around with Antonio Brown. I mean, not only that, but Antonio Brown has a history of hate case issues where. He's just, I don't know if it's the mental thing with him, but it just shows that he's always just doing something for the wrong reason. He's always in the papers for more right, I'm sorry, more wrong than right, like he did when he was in Pittsburgh, like he did when he was in, for a play, he was on the Raiders for a short period of time and in New England. So it's a track record about all the stuff that he does. So I don't think it helped. I mean, it's nice that they have him. I guess it's another big name on a nice, Talented receiving core, but I don't think it's going to hurt them more than it's going to help them. I mean, to touch on what what you just said, Chris, uh, I think you know, of course, besides his off the field issues, I mean, the fact that the Tampa Bay was willing to give him a chance, I'm sure without talking to Tom Brady himself, uh, they pride they decided to still give him a chance. I think this is, I think he'll make that change because he knows what's at stake. You know, this is really his last shot to even remain inside the league. I mean, Mar, what do you think about Tampa Bay hiring getting Antonio Brown?
1: Um, it's kind of surprising considering they denied them back in March when they said they no space and uh, he wouldn't fit in. So it's kind of surprising. And then to touch on what Chris said, I mean, you got Leonard Fournette and you got Ronald Jones and then you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So every like somebody's going to be unhappy. Uh, somebody's going to be limited to a certain amount of touches that they're not really going to want to get and it's going to cause a problem. And Antonio Brown might be that problem. So I don't like I said, it's a, it's a it's a star receiver. But like, what is it really doing for your team?
0: I mean, well, coming off what of these these guys are saying, they're saying that Antonio Brown addition is not really too. It's not something to be really optimistic about. I mean, Chris, I mean, what's your what's your opinion on that? You, you don't think you should be optimistic as a Tampa Bay fan about Antonio Brown signing with the team?
2: Yeah. Um, I think you should be optimistic because you have another weapon, another prominent weapon, another playmaker that you can go out there and you can distribute the ball to. Like, yeah, I get it it's one ball and you have so many different weapons, but you have Tom Brady for two years, you know. You have a two-year window until you're pretty much rebuilding again or you're trying to go out there and get another quarterback again. So you want to maximize his opportunity, his touches. Antonio Brown is someone who can – you know, he doesn't have to just, you know, do one route. He can he can do the reverses. He can do the gadget plays. He can do whatever you need him to do. So I think that he's a versatile weapon. And he's someone who has familiarity already with Tom Brady. When he played in New England for all of one game, people looked at New England and was like, yo, like, this team is scary. And you took Antonio Brown away from that team, and everybody was like, oh, that, that offense is, is garbage. So you see the impact that he has. You put him with a, with Evans and, and and Godwin and Ronald Jones and Fournette and McCoy and, and Gronkowski and whatever. Like, yeah, it looks like the twenty ten Pro Bowl team, but the dudes oh, like we have to we have to at least respect what they are a bit, like they've shown the ability to do. And this just makes them one of the preeminent teams in the NFC. Like, yeah they lost to Chicago. We don't know, you know, at the end if they're going to win a division with New Orleans, but do we, do we look at New Orleans the same way as we did at the beginning of the year? I think the NFC aside from Seattle, I think is wide open. So why not take advantage and, and and get a B away from Seattle who could be a NFC championship uh game opponent, you know, because there was rumors that that Russell Wilson was pushing hard for Antonio Brown. So maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of chess. You know, we're looking at it like, oh, where are they going to get the ball to? How are they going to do this? Maybe it's a more so like, hey, we're going to put you on our team so we don't have to play you in the playoffs come January.
0: I mean, no, it's definitely coming off of what you said. I think talent wise, I think before all the off the field antics, he was arguably the top two. Some people say he was obviously the best wide receiver inside the NFL. I don't know about sure. Yeah. He wasn't the best NFL. No, wide no? No. no. Wow. No. <laughs> who?
1: Who? Sure wasn't. Who was? Sure wasn't. Who, who, who was? He who wasn't. was? He's not better than Julio Jones.
0: Oh, he's not better than Julio Jones. I mean, he's wait, not so, better than
1: DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I I I think Johnny Hawkins was
0: definitely done unjust playing with the quarterbacks he played before Deshaun Watson. But um, but he so Antonio Brown wasn't he a top five you know wide receiver inside the game? He before? was.
1: He was. He was top three. I just didn't have him over Julio and Hopkins. It's like I don't like he like Antonio has amazing hands. He has route running. He's fast, but most of the time his he has he has like impressive catches like Odell. They're not really open like but at least Odell can get open on his route running or AB just makes like crazy catches. Like, so it's not, it's not really like there for me.
0: Okay. So, all right. So, so who was your top five, you know, receivers before, including Antonio Brown before off the field, antes. like where if you was to rank them, how would you rank it?
1: Um, I would have to go DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Julio Jones. Are you talking about now or like,
0: I'm talking about uh, you get, you gotta include Antonio Brown before you know all his off the field. So like a
1: couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, a couple of years ago. Let's say uh 27. No. When did Antonio Brown leave the league exactly?
1: You no, know, I got my five. I got my five. Okay. You got I got um, Hopkins, Julio, Odell, Antonio, Devontae Adams. Antonio at number
0: four. I mean, uh uh Chris Chris K. I mean, so who who's your top? Because we we just had a who's your top five receivers, including Antonio Brown before his off the field antics. Like, who would you? So Amara said DeAndre Hopkins, then you put Julio Jones at
2: number two, and then. Um, I think we pretty much had the same five people. Right. I think the orders are different. I think I have Julio one, Hopkins two. Uh, I probably do Odell three, AB four, and. Uh, Devontae Adams five. You have to realize that Antonio Brown had, you know, he had been, he had all these weapons, but he made all these great plays. Every every one of those five guys are game changers. You know what I'm saying? But I think of the of those five, I think it's, there's a gap between like A B and then like Devontae Adams. Like I don't think, like I don't think you'd be hard pressed to argue like Devonte Adams is the top three receiver in the league. Like, I think. <sighs> There's a like he's five, but I think there's like it's like a big gap between like the upper echelon, top, top tier guys, and then like Devontae Adams. Okay. I'm, I mean, uh,
0: Chris, uh, so, so what's your top five, top five receivers in in the NFL? Well, if you're talking about before the issues, A, B, um, before Devontae's not. Before, if it's like before AB issues and before he got kicked out the NFL, I wouldn't have Devonte Adams up there. Right, right now he's easily up there, but then I wouldn't have him. Uh, so I think so for the most part, my list is the same. Uh, the order's a little bit different. I would have Julio would be number one. I'd have Odell number two at that time. AB will be three. Right. Uh, I would have um, who would be on fourth? I just had him. I probably have Mike Evans fourth because I was my, oh. I feel like Mike. Mike, I mean, like, Mike Evans was, like, a really good receiver, and he's really consistent, which is why I'm, I'm a fan of his. And fifth, I mean, did I say Hopkins? I don't think it's a Hopkins, but I have DeAndre Hopkins up there. But, I mean, it's different. My list would be different right now than it is then because A.B. just changed it. And back then, I really didn't know or see much of Devontae Adams. I mean, since then, he's easily become a fan favorite at YRC. He's easily top, he's easily top five. I mean, for me, arguably top three, but easily top five. But if we're talking about back then, he's not up there. No man, I definitely. I think DeAndre Hopkins, touching on what everything you guys said, you know, DeAndre Hopkins definitely, yeah, his his career until getting Deshaun Washington, it's pretty much been unfair, like the quarterbacks he had. And I definitely think, uh, yeah, he should be number one. Right, I I would put DeAndre Hopkins number one. Uh, I, I'm gonna put Julio Jones number two. I would put Antonio Brown number three, Odell four, and then I put Devontae Adams at number five that's just me but okay so with that being said we're gonna make a transition to the nba so the nba uh possibly might shorten this season it might be 72 games uh so what's your guys opinion on that i think it's something i think 82 games does you know is, is physically mentally draining for the players i mean the athletes i'm sure you know there's no excuse you know they they train their bodies they eat right they're supposed to keep themselves in shape but i think it would definitely do a lot more benefits for the players had it been seventy-two games. I think the games would be more competitive. I mean, so I mean, so what's your guys' takes on that on the NBA? You know, shortening possibly shortening the season and possibly starting inside uh, December.
1: Um, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I I don't really like it only because I saw a report that also said there might be like a, a play-in tournament. So I guess like those ten games that they can't have, I guess those teams that are like tied or whatever, are gonna have to like play it out in the tournament, which I don't think is fair because if you limit the league, if you limit the season of the league, and some teams qualify, I don't think they should be like put to the test any further because they already did what they had to do.
0: I mean, so what's so so what's your stance on the NBA possibly shortening shortening uh, its season, uh, Chris Chris K?
2: Um, I've longed, I've long asked the NBA to shorten the season, like 82 games is ridiculous. Like, because theoretically speaking, from October to June, there's a lot of games where people just like, you know, why are we we wasting our time here? Like, guys are doing, guys are resting, guys aren't even playing. If you shorted the season from like 82 to probably like 62, even like 62, 58, 62, something like something in that range, I think that would be better. honestly. The season to me shouldn't even start until Christmas Day. And like, yeah, I get it. Like they start playing in October and everything like that. But mentally for me, NBA season doesn't start until Christmas Day. That's the prime time game. That's where the season really starts to take off. You right. don't need those, you know, those those games in October and November. Like, you don't really need that. Like if you want to have a preseason game, whatever. If you want to give those guys extra rest from June to whenever, cool. But the season if I'm like the commissioner of the NBA, the season doesn't start till Christmas day and we can go from Christmas to June. You have that like six, six months, six and a half month window. Right. You can play your season. You can limit the back to backs. You can give a, a lot of time for travel there. Then you eliminate the, the need for like, Oh, we have to rest load management. Oh, yeah, yeah, gosh, like You, you, just you kill it. all that. Right. And you kill all the extra dead noise around it. And you have Christmas to June. And that's your season.
0: I mean, speaking on that load management, before I swing it to uh, uh, the other Chris, I mean, the load management. I think it has its benefits, and of course, it has its, uh, you know, has its negatives. But I feel like athletes are really taking advantage of the load management. You know, the Clippers actually, uh, they were supposed to be chemistry wise, they're supposed to be really great, but players had issues. Um, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and et cetera, had problems with Paul George and Kawhi his load management. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was like the poster poster player for the load management. I mean, when he won the championship with the Raptors, they say, "Oh, this is what load load management can do." With the Spurs, obviously, uh, Greg Popovich has been implementing that load management since his career. So it it depends on you know if the players aren't taking advantage of it. But swinging to what Chris, I mean, what's your pain on the NBA possibly shortening the season to seventy two games and starting inside December? I mean, I see why they're doing it. I don't want to say I'm a big fan of it, but I understand from a business perspective why you would do that. Because the whole point of it is they're trying to get back on schedule with the actual NBA season. So they feel like the best way to do that was, okay, you take out a bunch of games, give players a little bit of extra rest, and then just come back on Christmas day and we can start from scratch. But they're really just trying to get back to – and I feel like they're trying to get back to the regular schedule. So I think after this season they're going to go back to the 82 games – and everything's going basically quote unquote go back to normal but i mean uh and like i understand like why it's good that it's only 72 games because like i said there are a lot of games where i mean it's just like why are we watching this game because it's like it's almost like players are giving up oh i won't say giving up but like they're not really playing like there's like the rest game loads management's a big thing so i understand um like why a2 game season could be bad in some cases but I think that the whole purpose of this is just to get back to the original standard no definitely the detect- I mean everything you said to me I mean I think like I said I, I I don't oppose it at all I think uh the players will be more rested obviously and uh we'll see more exciting games even among the Monday games against uh, teams that aren't even destined to make the playoffs. It could be with the players re-energized, having those long breaks in between games. I think uh, 72 games would be well. But like Chris says, it's all of it to get back on track, back on pace for like 82 games. I think maybe if the 72-game season is really well and all the players, I mean, or a good majority of the players seem, you know, to be completely fine with it or they agree with having 72 a lot more than 82, it could be a fixture in the future in the NBA. But uh, making the transition... Tyron Lue to the Clippers. You guys didn't want Tyron Lue for the Sixers, but he's with the Clippers. I just want your thoughts. So what do you think it means for the Clippers? You think they can win the championship next year, going back to the finals, or they get knocked out before they even go to the Western Conference? I, I want to hear it. Go ahead, Chris. Go K. Oh, I you want to go? Ahead? Gonna, gonna go for, yeah, let me go first yeah, on this one. Um, I mean, it's just I just think it. I just look at it as like another hire. I mean. He was on the staff last year, and I think it was – I don't know – I don't really know how it is because I've really never seen Tyronn Lue coach without LeBron James. So I'm really not sure how to think of it or how to look at it because, I mean, you already have a – because basically when Tyronn Lue was in Cleveland, he was the head coach, but he had it – but his assistant coach was basically LeBron. He had a coach on the court. So it's kind of like – I mean, what what did he really have to do? I mean, he might have – made some changes from David Blatt here and there. But for the most part, all you had to take care of was just like any questions. I think any like um, um, interview questions and stuff that could cause um, some controversy within the team and everything. So I don't really know how Tyronn Lue coaches. And I think it was, I'm not going to say I like it or dislike it, but I know he also named Chauncey Billups as one of the, as one of his assistant coaches. I've never seen Chauncey Billups coach, so I don't know how it is. So, I don't really have any um, predictions based off of it. I mean, based off what I've seen, it looks it's just basically the same team, just with a different coach. Uh, to touch on what Chris said before, I swing it over. Uh, Chauncey Billups uh, actually had two jobs: not to be a coach or assistant coach, but to be a general manager for the Knicks and also for the Nuggets. So I guess that really testifies to what you know Chauncey Billups can bring. So, you know, I think that was, that was a pretty great hire for the Clippers to get Chauncey Billups as the assistant coach. But touching on what Chris said, Tyron Lue, like, we've never really seen him coach without a superstar, I mean, well, a generational superstar like LeBron. And when he didn't have LeBron, you went 0-3. But I don't think that was just too small. That was too small of a sample to really judge off what Tyron Lu could do. Uh, I don't know. That, that gap between LeBron and Kawhi Leonard, uh, it, it's a gap, but not too far of a gap. Kawhi Leonard is definitely one of the best players in the league. So I just want to see what Tyronn Lu could do offensively and defensively and see where they could take the Clippers. But I'm going to swing it over to you, Chris. To,
2: to you, Chris, what do you think about Tyronn Lu signing with the Clippers? Um, I think that Tyronn Lu brings some familiarity. Like, that's what a lot of people said, like, within that organization. Like, oh, yeah, like Tyran Lu's not afraid to get in people's faces, not, not afraid to really hands-on coach people. So I think that that's something that um, – that's gonna benefit them. Like I don't know how. Like I don't think that Doc was necessarily afraid to coach people, but maybe he was kind of too lenient on his stars. And I don't think that Tyron Lue really would would do that. Like I don't think he's gonna. Like I don't think he's gonna be like like how Belichick was to Brady. But I also don't think like he's gonna just like coddle them and let them get away with it or whatever. So I think that it kind of it could be a good mix, especially if he brings brings in like people who are able to support him and support the team. Uh, I think that they have to address their chemistry issues. Like if the roster can't get, can't get along with each other. Like, I think they need to to thin that out. Like I, need, I think some people are, are inevitably going to be traded or they won't be on the Clippers next year. Like I don't think Lou Will's going to be back on the Clippers. I don't think Montrezl Harrell's going to be back on the Clippers. I don't think Reggie Jackson's going to be back. So you you're going to end up losing some pieces, and you eventually have to re- you have to replace these pieces. Like I think Landry Shaman is going to end up taking a lot of you know a lot more um, playing time off the bench. Zubats, because um, I think like if you look at Tyron Lue like Cleveland, he used a lot of Goff. he used a lot of uh, Tristan Thompson. So I think Zubots is going to end up getting a lot more playing time. Um, I think he should uh, Zubats should get more time. So I think that. I think that it could be good depending on who they bring in to replace these pieces. I just think like if, if the Clippers had as bad of chemistry issues as they said they did, it really showed in games five, six and seven when they played the nuggets, like you could tell, like it just wasn't really there.
0: I mean, all right, definitely. uh, I think Zubac should definitely get more minutes. You know, he's definitely a, a promising, a promising, uh, player you know he just needs more minutes to really sharpen uh mar what you think the clippers go to the finals with t Lou or, or nah not even
1: um well let me touch on what you said because there is a gap between Kawhi and lebron oh let me just put that out there because there's there's a huge gap mm-hmm. now um i just i don't like chris said I didn't, we didn't see him coach with all LeBron. So it's just like, what are you going to do that Doc didn't do? <clears throat> you had a great player. You have another great player. You have, yeah, you have a great player and then some players. So it's like, what are you going to do differently that Doc didn't do? That's just, a, that's the only question I really have to ask.
0: I mean, like I said, well, I mean, it's not really much to talk about Tyron Lue. He has too much, he has too small a to sample if you disregard having LeBron on your team. So hopefully we'll be able to see what, what we could do, what he could do next season. I mean, I'm gonna ask you guys this like what NBA team are you most excited about uh before you know before the offseason uh starts like what team do you look at favorably you think could go to the NBA finals and possibly win it all like what NBA team excites you the most or you or you had to make a gamble or a choice Like, you guys go ahead I on. Bet
1: everything on the nuts
0: Whoa, the Nets. I mean, if you look on paper, they are frightening scary, though.
2: They're really scary, though. I mean, Chris, Chris K., what do you think? I think the team that I'm looking for, I'm looking the most intently at is the like, Nuggets. Whoa, the Nuggets? I think the Nuggets can make that push because they have a talented big, a talented guard, and if you look at the, the history of this league, that's what you need to succeed. Like, that's the formula, talented big and talented ball handler. Look at the Lakers. Um, talented big and AD, talented ball handler on LeBron James. Now I'm not saying that Jokic and Murray are AD and LeBron, but they have all the formula that you need to be successful in the league. So I think if I had to choose one team, it's probably Denver. And that's before you know the all season even you know. That's before any any, any moves, anything they did like it's Denver. Like I'm, you look yeah. at they 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 play with heart. They play with they they they're. They're not the most talented team in the league, but they have good coaching they they all they're playing they're playing defense they're flying to the ball. I think it's denver hard
0: working all right chris uh so so what's what n b a team are you like if you had to just gamble before the off season that really excites you that you could say they're going to the finals and they'll possibly win it all chris i mean what what n b a team um I could either look at the uh Lakers or nuggets um. But I'm skeptical on the nuggets because I did read that Jer, Jer- oh, what's his name? Jeremiah Grant, he um opted out. So oh. that's a bit that was a big part of their team. So if he doesn't re sign, I mean that's a hole that needs to be filled. But also at the same time, if Michael Porter Jr. can develop and he doesn't have, like I said, he doesn't have to be that leading scorer, but he can develop into like, a really solid six man if you can average like a good 18 to 20 points per game then they're still dangerous so i mean obviously the lakers they still got lebron and they're probably and more than likely just gonna re-sign ad so you can't you usually can never just count out lebron so i would just say the nuggets of the lakers all right that's that's definitely all right two nuggets and one Nets. i mean i hearing what both of you guys said about the nuggets I mean, yeah, I never really looked at the Nuggets, but hearing from what you guys saying, they play hard. They're not the most talented. They got talented. They do have two talented players in Jamal Murray and, and Jokic. I, Michael Porter Jr. Actually, you know, he was the number one recruit in his class, and he was supposed to be the number one pick in the 2018 draft until you know you hurt his back. So I, I mean, they're really they got they got their three. It's just Michael Porter just needs to you know just work out more defensively, and he he already got the offensive skills package. But you know the last part uh we we'll get to touch on before you know we end today's episode is so the Sixers they got it they got Doc Rivers we talked about it no one no one was excited about it uh wait Chris I mean what what's your opinion on Doc Rivers before we I touch on what we're going to talk about like what do you think about Doc Rivers to the Sixers you think these guys weren't excited I was just so neutral with it I'm not too
2: high I'm not it's not too bad I'm just neutral like it's just in the middle with it I'm excited and I think because he has a young team, if you look at, like, look at all these guys, like MB Simmons, um, all these guys are, are like 24, 25, but they're still young guys in the grand scheme of things. Right. Simmons is already, you know, first team all defense and MBs like can put up 20 and 10 at any given moment. I think they need a, a strong veteran presence in their locker room and, and, Maybe Brett, Brett, like, they love, you know, people like, oh, yeah, we love Brett. You know, Brett's good. Brett was good, but he was only, but so good. He was limited. He was only going to get that team, but so far. Like, yeah, I get it. He turned a 10-win team to a 50-win team. But I think that Doc Rivers can take this 50-win team into a legitimate championship contending team. Hmm. Um, I think he brings... I think he 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 brings a presence that I think like hopefully he try like he hopefully he gets Embiid in actual shape. Like I hope people stop, you know, people stop, you know, fooling themselves into thinking like oh yeah Embiid's fine you know he's in shape he's looking at me like yeah he can do so much he can do so much, but he limits his own potential. He does Simmons like can we get Simmons to shoot like. can we actually start doing these things that we've been talking about for the last two years? Like, can we start seeing progress? Can we actually run some offensive sets? Can we run some actual real plays? So I think that that's good. I think him putting him having Dave Yeager on his staff to be his pretty much his defensive coordinator. I think that that's something that Thibodeau Tom Thibodeau did in Boston when they won the title in, in 20, 2008. And then they went back in 2010. Like that's what Thibodeau was there for. He was that defensive coordinator. Doc was out there drawing plays and, and, and doing things like that. Yeah, he had a – I think he had a bad run. He had a bad end in Los Angeles. But look at what that team – when he took over that team, they were like – they were like, um, uh, all right, they were average. You know, they had like Vinny Del Negro whatever. They had like, they had like Blake and, and Chris Paul, and they was, wasn't really doing anything, right? He took that team to a, a respectable championship contender in the West. They had, you know, people were talking about, oh yeah, it's the clip, it's the Clippers' title to lose and stuff like that. So I think he can take the Sixers to be a legitimate contender in the East. Like, let's, like, these last couple of years, we've been like, oh yeah, the Sixers, blah, 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 they can trust the process. Yeah, that's great. I'm a, you know, like I was there when they was getting, they getting, you know, losing to like the Pistons and they were like ten and seventy-two. Like I was at those games getting five-dollar tickets. Like I was there. And I was, I was there oh, Embiid's uh, debut opening night when they played Oklahoma City, and they almost pulled that game out. Like, I was there. I know what I've been watching all this time, and I know the potential. But let's see if Doc can take this team from, like, good to championship-level team. And I think that if Doc starts getting – like, if he gets Embiid to get in better shape and he gets Simmons to at least take these jump shots. Like, he won't got to make them. He just got to take them. Ah. And I think that this team will finally get over the hump. Now their front office is going to find a way to get in the way, like they, that's what they do. Like they, oh, they get in their own way. But maybe Doc can fi- figure out a way to make this roster work. Now I'm I'm assuming that they try to move Horford or they try to move these other pieces. I don't, you know, like people saying like, oh, they're going to trade Josh Richardson. I don't think they're going to trade Josh Richardson. I think that's a guy that Doc really likes like that he fits that doc mold so i think that maybe horford can work maybe not we'll see but i think if any coach was to be hired i'm glad it's doc rivers and not like d'antoni or not Tyron Lou or somebody, somebody. I, i'd rather it be someone you could argue is a top 10 top five coach in this league oh he's a top, top, five, five? He's oh, top five wow oh wow he's what has he five. done what has he done? You can argue you can argue, okay, even if you take away like the the championship in Boston, right like you could argue like he had a super team he would have he would have you know he would have had to purposely moves to not win that championship right He took a team he took a team and the clippers, like I said, from middle of the pack average team in the west to. A legitimate, people called them a legitimate championship contender. They were the same team with Del Negro with Doc Rivers. They had the same roster, basically. And they did exponentially better with Rivers than they did with Del Negro. They didn't get past the second round either with either coach, so how is that better? Well, they lost to, arguably, they lost to better teams, better constructed teams, and they lost to, what, the Warriors?
1: They blew a 3-1 lead.
2: They had a 3-1 lead on the Warriors. Okay, yeah, I get it. We i'm just trying to get a 3-1 lead. Like these dudes just got swept by the Celtics. Like Wait, we're that's trying to-How he's a top five though. He's he was a he's a top five coach because you look at what he's done in every other spot. Like he not done anything in Whoa, whoa, if you hold on, I'm sorry, if you want to go to every other spot, we can start start let's start with Orlando real quick. Because he broke up a he broke up a, a potential big three, and even when Grant Hill got hurt, a dynamic duo. Because Kim Douglas was to got go to her. Orlando. So, That's Tim Duncan it. was supposed to go to Orlando. He was, try- he was about to you, sign. If you Tim Duncan, would you go to Orlando? He was about to sign. What are you talking about? Why would you go to Orlando? Because of Tracy McGrady. What did you have to do to, in Orlando? It was Tracy McGrady. Wait, he was wait, Chris. Out. Chris, Chris, hold on. Wait, Chris. All right, wait. So, Mar,
0: Mar had brought up something. When I had oh, I had brought up an argument about Dot Rivers, Mar Mar said, what's so special about Dot Rivers if you take away that one championship he has with the Celtics? What does what's so outstanding about Doc Rivers if you take away that one championship? And I was really stumped on that. And I said, Wow, I mean he has good offense, his defense is pretty good. He's a simple was the main reason why,
2: but still, like what What what, is his offense? His here's the thing, And, and maybe I'm saying that because you know, like I'm I'm being optimistic on the Sixers. They have no they've had no offense for seven years, they've had no coach. Doc Rivers is probably the best coach they've hired since. No, listen. Down. Okay, listen. Is, even if he even if you say like oh, maybe he's not a, a top five coach. He consistently, he consistently is a 50 game winner, right? Consistently, 50, 50, around 50 games, he's winning these games. Yeah, I can't I can't remember a season he yeah. He, he's he doesn't he doesn't really necessarily have bad
1: teams. He's blown three three one leads. Yes, he
2: has blown three three one three one leads. But you, it, you have to be somewhat talented to get a three-one lead.
1: No, but listen, okay, listen, okay, listen. You said you just, oh my gosh, you just said, um, okay, you said the Sixers had no offense for the last seven years. What is Doc Rivers' offense? When you think of D'Antoni, you might not agree with. His you might not agree with Mike D'Antoni's offense, but you know right. his offense. You,
2: yeah, you know what it. is you know D'Antoni's offense. Rivers? Maybe Doc, maybe Doc doesn't have an offense. I mean, Doc Rivers. If you been thinking about his, maybe, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's, it's a basic. Maybe, maybe it's balance. It, it, it's
0: balance. He doesn't favor. He doesn't favor. Like he doesn't favor you shooting the three. He doesn't favor you
2: driving he to had the lane. Paul
1: George and Kawhi. It's just he favored balanced. them. To, he favored them to bail him out. He, he did. He favored Kawhi he, he to, did bail favor
2: him out. Him to bail him out. But if you look at what the Sixers have done over the last, you know, whenever when they had when they had Brett, even if you take away the years they had nobody on offense, right? What do they really What do the Sixers do on offense? And B gets the ball at the top of the key at the three-point line, dribbles around, almost dribbles it off his foot, passes the ball, and and goes to the goes to the elbow, does that rip move, and hopefully he gets a foul call. Well, Chris, well, see, that's why I'm saying. So all right. Or, but... or, it's, or it's Simmons at the top of the key, and he's like just driving to the just driving to the hole. No, Chris, well, listen, but that's
0: what – wait, before I even touch on that, I, I like I said, uh, Mar had brought up, you take away the championship in 08, what is Doc Rivers? Like, what, what is
1: – he? He's, and he's, he had Tom Thibodeau that year. If you want to talk yeah. about defensive coach. Tom right, I,
0: I mentioned he had Thibodeau. And John Rondo. Oh, yeah, I, call, no, I, call, I call I call that the big I four. It. He had, he had I call that the big four. He, he People keep saying the big three. I call that the big four. Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Every and Ray season, Allen, right. those, yeah, those are the big four. Right, and I,
2: said, and I said, they were clearly the best team. They were one of the best teams. They were the best team on paper that year because they had, uh, you know, a younger Garnett. They had Paul Pierce. They had Ray Allen. They had these guys that were somewhat still in their primes. They, you know, he, it would have been a monumental failure if they didn't win that year. Oh, no, okay, no. But see, but that's saying, not great. If you, take, if you take away that year, what is Doc? Doc's a
0: above-average coach. Above average seed, but then that's why you can't put them in that top. I couldn't put them, right, to that I, I put them in that
2: top five. I can put them in the top five because there's not that many great coaches right now. Oh, if you name name me four coaches, you would have other than Doc. Well, right, I, 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 my, I, I, listen, my, I would
1: listen.
2: take Coach
0: Malone. I would take the Nuggets coach. That's that, that, that's true. I would take. I would take. Um, Eric, mm-hmm. Eric, Eric, Eric Spolster. That's how you say his name, Eric. Uh, I would take him. Yeah, I would. Can look LeBron. at what he's done without LeBron and, and D-Wade. I mean, you you, you gotta get Billy give
2: Donner, it. man. I wouldn't Billy Donald. Billy do- man. Well, man. I'm not taking no damn Billy Billy, Billy Donald. Uh, I'm glad Billy what do you do,
1: Billy what what do he do with him? the
2: Thunder. I'm. That's
0: really the mainly came Chris. The
2: entire half day team.
0: Yeah, they did. Chris Paul, Sean Gillis, Alexander. You got Daniel Larry, I mean, Dennis Adams. There, there, you got a great, there, you got a great backup point guard in Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I, I'm not going to underestimate uh, Billy Dollars in, though, but I'm not going to put him in the top five coach. I can't think of number four and five. I'm trying to think. Bro. Chris, can you help he's me broke. out with this Chris? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Here's, here's, all, I'm, here's all I'm saying. But hold on, Mark, one second. Here's all I'm saying. Based on what you said about what Dak Rivers is without
2: the ring, you just said he's another George Carl. That's all you basically said. George I, Carl I, was consistently. I would murder someone on the street for, for the Sixers to have George Carl right now. You are tripping that if you want that. Whoa! you are oh, tripping. I would go really right outside and hit somebody outside to hit We're talking thing. about the same coach. Wait, 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 The, the, the wait, not same coach trashed his star players on both his teams. You would take him? Yes. He trashed Carmelo Anthony and trashed Marcus Cousins. Have you seen what the Sixers were with Brett Brown? Listen, here's I mean. I agree with you that Doug has been the best coach since Larry Brown. I don't agree with you when you're saying Doc Rivers is a top five coach. I don't agree with you at all with that. So, give me four people who are better
0: right now than Doc Rivers. No, see, that's what I'm saying. I just give you three. I can't think of the four and five. That's what's killing me like, like crazy. I just if can't you, think. Even, if
2: you thing. go around the different coaches in the league, right? I mean, okay, wait. Actually, number four, I could give Brad you Brad Stevens. 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 I could I give you Brad Stevens. Stevens. Right, Brad Stevens. Stevens. That's, that's four, right? four. That's four. The fifth coach. I'm really Damian trying to fifth.
0: think of the fifth coach.
2: Damian I'm really fifth. trying to think. Carl, Rick Carlisle, maybe. Okay, I can I could argue that. No, I could give it to Rick Carlisle. You, you could argue Carlisle, but that's five coaches better than Doc Rivers in my opinion. Cool,
0: did say Nick like, Nurse? Th- who said Nick Nurse?
2: Oh Nick, wait, I put wait, Nick. Wait, my, wait I, boot boot hose, Nick. Wait, wait, I put Nick Nurse. do I don't want to hear nothing about no damn boot hoser. You were just who talking went about, about Doc Rivers. 60, wins, Sixty win teams twice and went nowhere.
0: Doc Rivers had three three one
2: leaves. You, Nose didn't even have a 3-1 lead. Blue the then gets mopped in the playoffs every year.
0: So does Dr. Ritchie.
2: When he's with Atlanta, Bootholders got mopped <laughs> in the first round. And then he loses. Then he goes to Milwaukee and gets mopped again in the playoffs. At least Doc has some type of play. least he didn't, Doc got the first
0: round. No, but listen, though. Like, Chris, we forgot Nick Nurse. So, this, so I'm going to have to rearrange that list. I'm going to give it to Greg. All right, all right. I'll give you Nurse. Like like Nick Nurse got to be three, and then but Nick Doc Rivers ten. still not a top five coach. Doc Rivers is at seven at most. He, he probably so wait, so all right top ten.
2: Even if I okay, am top ten five, okay yeah, top, top, top ten makes sense.
0: Top ten is top ten, is, top 10 is, I, I can't think no yeah he's he's can, top can, seven. He's, top, can, seven. Can, he's really top, five,
2: four, top five. He's not top. Doc could be anywhere between four and eight. Four and no, 20, he, whatever. He can't be in the top five.
1: Wait, did anybody say Steve Kerr? Oh no, I mean Steve.
0: See, I hate I don't want to do that to Steve Curry. But when you got three Hall of Famers, no, just like, no, no man, no. no, no, no. Kurt, Kurt deserves to be out right there. Curry deserves no, it. He does. He said, no, I'm sorry, man. No, I'm sorry. No. I don't know. You I feel like he's got that game much game. advantage. But wait, is-
2: but wait, the only uh, the only argument you can have against Curry is Luke Walton had that same team and went like 24 and one to start the season. Oh so man. how hard? How hard could it be to really coach that team? And
0: Steph Curry's basketball IQ, as long as Clay, like those, those IQs are really like.
2: You know yeah, but been, you but we can't the uh, thing is about that argument you can't have that same argument for Steve Kerr and then against Tyron lu because no, you didn't so really seen Tyron Lou without LeBron, but, 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 LeBron but, that's because,
0: but, but it's all it's been LeBron like it's been leBron
2: yeah, but you got you like, you talk about you know you got Curry's basketball i q and and Clay, Clay. Not on, Curry's not like, an on court coach who's the on court coach LeBron's an on court coach LeBron is on okay. Then you could argue the point. Like traditionally, we argue like the point guard is the on-court coach. So I guess I argue Curry. the point guard is
0: the quarterback, not the coach. There's
2: a difference. Coach, LeBron's coach. a coach. I don't think LeBron. I think LeBron is a coach. LeBron but is a I coach. But I think LeBron has like some. You can argue some quarterbacks are coaches on the field, right? And once you get to year Chris seven, there's always another one. 15, 16, 17, you start becoming a, an extension of the coach.
0: Wait, wait, but okay, but not to really dive off that, like I he said, was Rivers, wait, but Doc Rivers is not a top five coach, though. Like, we gave you, like, he's at most top seven, top eight, so let's just say that. But as you said before, you said without the ring, he's an above average coach. Well, above average coach, what does that take the Sixers if he's just an
2: above average coach? What has the Sixers been got, with a below average coach?
0: I got, I got a different question. I actually have a different question for you.
2: Okay, all right, go ahead.
0: How... So you would rather take uh Doc Rivers over Dawn Staley?
2: I just want to know the answer to that. Dawn wait, Staley? wait, Dawn yeah. Staley. He's the, she's a South Staley, Carolina. Like the coach of South Carolina. Yes, yes. yes. Dawn, that's Dawn Staley, Staley went to Temple. Yes. Yeah. That's Don Staley. Would I take like, They actually Glenn Daniel? Would I take Glenn Rivers, aka Doc over Dawn Staley?
0: That's the oh, question. Man. That sounds on, sarcastic. On every day
2: question. that ends in Y. How about that? <laughs> wow.
0: What? So I'm going to let you know, Dawn Staley's a proven of of wherever she goes.
2: You go, I'm hey, not, you go, I'm not, no, I'm not bringing in Dawn. I'm bringing in an NBA, someone who is an NBA head coach, who's been a coach in this league for 15 years. Like you can't, done you nothing. Can't, you can't give Dawn Staley first NBA job to the Sixers. No, Why not? Why not, not, not these Sixers. Not like, Why not? You, we got two young guys and we try to make the, make it to the final Sixers. Maybe the process Sixers, but not these Sixers, no. No. First, you're, not tell- you're not telling me why not. Why not? Because you need a proven NBA coach who can take these guys from what they've been to the next level. I don't think that there's any coach outside of, you know, like I don't think that the best coaches available, I think of the best coaches available, they got the best coach available, which was Doc Rivers. All right, All right hold on. Can't, you can't take Dawn Staley from the University of South Carolina and give her not only an NBA job, but wait, wait, a team wait, Chris. No, 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 Colin, Colin I got it. Let me, let me, I got East it. With M B Simmons, and all, and a, and, a, and a. If we want to be honest about it, a bad roster. You wait, Chris. Wait, wait. Before you say something, you're setting her for failure. Colin, all right, all
0: go ahead. ahead. I got it. So,
2: hit, right. hit. So again, I I
0: made this argument when I said Dawn Staley should have at least gotten an interview, even if she didn't accept the offer, she should have gotten an offer. This is, the, this is the argument I made. The thing that Philly has not had in, in, since Alan Iverson's been here is pedigree. Their culture is silly. is fight, fight, fight. Am I wrong by that? All we do is fight, right? So what better way to have somebody lead that charge than somebody not only from the city who grew up in the city fight for you? Why not have that? And then to add on what Chris said, I mean, ba- I mean, so I mean, if you look at the history of college coaches becoming NBA coaches, it's not really that high of a uh, a good rate. You know, you got John Calipari; he tried with the Nets, he failed. Obviously, it was a, a couple of other coaches besides Brad Stevens. Uh, did we mention Brad Stevens? We already mentioned him in the top five. We are turning to him. Besides him, and there's another college coach that uh, I can't I can't think of for the life of me who's in the NBA right now, or am, am I wrong? I mean, I think. Don Staley, like Chris said, I mean, she has everything in her background to be a great coach. And then, of course, she's got got two superstar generational talents. I mean, I don't see why she couldn't implement anything into leading them to putting them to that
2: next step. It's different. I understand what you're saying, and I'm not taking anything away from Coach Staley's pedigree, but it's different from coaching women's college basketball Going to go into the highest the highest level in professional basketball and coaching uh, in a city like Philadelphia whose media market is when now at all costs right like i get it she's from the city and I, I take all that into consideration but it's and i'm not even trying to be sexist i'm trying to be realistic on this one no no there, we, there's some guys who do not view women's coaches women's basketball the same I'm not saying that any of the sixes in particular do that. I'm saying you can't even allow for that to be an uh, uh, issue, right? Now, it's one thing if she's in the staff, she's on the staff, she's she's now the lead assistant, and then she becomes the head coach. All right, that's different. Okay, this, I, is, I it's completely, totally different if all of a sudden you want to be, you know, you're trying to be a, a forward-thinking organization and you're just like, boom, all right, here's, here's Dawn Staley. Now, if you would have said Becky Hammond, like, okay, she sat next to Pop. You know, right. she's been in the, you know, she's been in the league for a little bit. I still wouldn't have kind of wouldn't agree with it right now, but whatever. Not for the Sixers. Now, if you want to say, hey, Becky Hammond, here goes the Phoenix Suns. Okay, cool. You know, I get it. Expectations are low. She can mature
0: it's-
2: at her own pace. Right. No you, you can no You can grow with that team. This yeah. team here. The front office has made it so like they are in win-now ma- win mode with all these bad contracts they have, right? So you have to go out there and you have to go win, right? You can't. You, there's no time for growing pains, right? At least with Doc Rivers, it's not like, oh, Doc Rivers doesn't know what he's doing day-to-day, game-to-game. He does, right? Yeah. Whether or not he has a lot of success is different. You can't bring someone who has not coached an NBA game, has not run an NBA team, and give them the Sixers, or give them any top contending team in the East or the West. Right? We talk about like we're we, we're not talking about like the Sixers who just won like twelve games. We're talking about the Sixers who just won fifty games, who's been in the playoffs every year. And if you really want to be argue, if you really want to argue, was a Kawhi shot off the rim away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. So the expectations are different. And I'm not saying that Coach Daly couldn't do it. I'm saying she shouldn't have been the she shouldn't have been the, the coach of the Sixers now and she it, she wouldn't have been the right person to lead this team. The fight mantra that the that the city has that like it doesn't even matter what team it's F the city has that. So the city adopts that. Mm. The sports teams adopt that. But the Sixers in particular are in a weird position because they have they're like you have two young, young generational talents, if you want to argue, and then Beaton Simmons. You have Horford, you have Tobias, you have Joshua. You have like this weird amalgamation of parts, and you need someone who kind of knows what they're doing to get it started. I don't think Dawn, Dawn Staley... I don't think there's many coaches who could have done... who could do a successful job with that, right? I don't think Dawn Staley's in her first NBA job to to ask her to go win with this, I don't think that's setting her up for success. Right. So the roster right? is the roster is well, bad. The roster is, is, is weird. Expected, so right. I, I mean, Don Stanley is the one for that.
0: No, I understand no, like I understand. exactly where you're coming from. I understand exactly where you're coming from. I mean, Chris, I mean, do, do you understand like I understand where you're coming from? Like, I like I would I would have loved if Don Staley would come, but like he said, the way our roster is set up, we're not really benefiting her. And then, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, Chris, I mean, what's your like? What's your opinion? I, just, I, I said it's a fair. It's that that was fair. That's that's probably the most legit case I've had for Donaldson not being a coach. It's it's a fair case. I'll say
1: that much. All
0: right, that, but yeah, but Doc Rivers not a top five
2: coach, so we can we establish that at least before. Oh if, man, if he if he had success with the Sixers, and now he's had success in three different continued success in three different spaces, does that help his rank?
0: Would you call that success just because you won 50 games? I no. mean, okay, a but-
2: if, if, pu- if he pushes the Sixers team from first round, second round exits to Eastern Conference Finals. That'll only be the I second mean, time he's
0: done that with the team because he only did that with the Boston Celtics. He didn't do that in Los Angeles. They never made the Western Conference Finals.
2: We Okay, well, they ran into like a better team in Houston was a better team. And Houston was a better year, team. Houston was a better team. No, they weren't. Not, no, they, no, they, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. In what year? What year exactly? He's about the three, about a three-one lead. No, they weren't. No, 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 no,
0: no, no. Houston was a better No. No, they weren't. Come definitely on. No, they weren't. Definitely wasn't. No, they I weren't. I mean, I I mean at, at most you could have said no. Actually, I Brown. think
2: I think I think people are over overrating how good the, that clippers team was they were good don't get me wrong they were good but they weren't winning anything no wait okay so wait all right so
0: like I'm talking, okay. about, I'm
2: talking about lob city that lob city team wasn't winning anything
0: no nah, i uh, yeah lob city wasn't but um right so okay like you said so if doc rivers has success let's say let's say hypothetically speaking he takes the sixes to the NBA fonts. hypothetically speaking a great hypothetical scenario but It probably won't happen. Let's say he takes some sixes to the NBA finals and he loses. So back to what Mar has said, okay, he, he, he's won a ring. That's what pretty much made him like this big, you know, he's so highly, you know, revered in the NBA world as a coach. If he goes to the finals and he loses, does that make him a top five coach? And and if you take away that ring, does that still make him a top five coach if, if he
2: does take the six to the NBA finals? There's not many, there's not many top five coaches without rings. Like I think Brad Stevens is the only top five coach that people will say is a top five coach without a ring. Like you right. have to be, you have to get yeah. a ring, you have to be some type of successful to have a top five, you know, like, oh, he's in the top five. Oh, well, well, actually, actually, Coach Malone from the Nuggets doesn't have a ring. And I don't so think, ta- I, don't think I think, I think fan. Mike, Malone, I think it's a lot of recency bias too. Like, yeah, he did a great coaching job, but, but I he know,
0: had like, three years back to back to back being like, you can't just
2: ignore that. Yeah, but you, also can't, you also can't ignore that. He has talent. Like he has Jokic. He has Murray. He has, Grant, like, I'm not saying these guys are, like... He's he's
0: playing in a tougher conference. You got to understand it, too. He He doesn't doesn't have a top five player.
2: He doesn't, but he has a lot of... He has a lot. He has a a ton of good players. Like, the thing about the Clippers, right, and the reason why people are so hard on Doc is because he had Kawhi and he had Paul George. uh, Paul, I'm sorry. I I just... I'm sorry. Paul George
0: doesn't, doesn't, doesn't...
1: I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. Like I said, like I said bro, the doc doesn't have us. When you say Doc Rivers' name, you don't think of anything. At least when you say Malone, you can say, okay, the high screen and roll. Like they had a game plan. We don't know what Doc's game plan is because he always has somebody. He even had Lou Will, and Lou Will was cooking. So it's just like, bro, it's like.
2: So can we give – so do we Do we not give Doc credit for an, acknowledging his playmakers and giving them – success? like giving? are we putting all the success right. on the playmakers for going out there and making the plays and none of the credit for the coach giving that – giving those players the position to make those plays? Mm-hmm. Like because there's We're a lot pleased. of times where we talk about coaches who mismanage players, right? Like why are you using them why, – why are we using so-and-so this way? We need to use them that way. Does Doc get no credit? I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Doc. I'm saying hypothetically speaking. Do we not give enough credit to the coach for allowing the players to play to their strengths? Or are we just like, it's all the player. Like, the coach gets no credit for that. I
0: mean, when, I, but what I, I'm saying is I don't necessarily know what Doc did or what his scheme was. So I'll even break it down. I'll do it from team to team. So when you start in Orlando, young coach on a bad team. So his, old, his scheme was get the ball, Tracy McGrady, McGrady, just do all his scoring, basically. So now he goes to Boston. Before he got Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, by the way, never let Doug Rivers be in your front office, because that was terrible. But before he got those two players from the, the front office and they drafted Rondo, what was the scheme? They were also a pretty average, mediocre, below average team. And again, his scheme was Paul Pierce, to carry us how, as far as you can, just carry us. Then when he got other players, he did, I mean, did you really put in the scheme? Because now he has more talent. Right? So now Paul Pierce doesn't have to do as much. KG can take more of the load off of him. So can Ray Allen. Now let's go to the Clippers. The when he first got there, same team that Negro had. Maybe he added, he added uh, got rid of a few pieces here and there. So here's here's one thing that most people don't say about Doc Rivers that Mar that Mar mentioned to me when he was when he was in um, on the Clippers. He had the opportunity to team to um, pair. Blake Griffin and Chris Paul with Carmelo Anthony, and all he had to do in that trade package was give up his son. But he didn't do that. If they had Carmelo Anthony as a wing scorer on that on that Clippers team, they would have. They probably could have won a championship. Probably won a because team. he didn't want to give him his. But because they didn't want to give him his son, he didn't want to do that. Also, well, I, I don't know. Rated it is is, is as overrated of a prospect you could have even talked about? And, but and, then and, I'm gonna, wait, wait, Chris. And, and again, the system, And again, what what did he do in? LA. He basically told his star players, carry us. Like, that's all he was doing. He Because most of the time when you saw them play, it was a pick and roll from Paul and Griffin. It either Chris Paul would get an ISO on a big man if they switch, or Blake Griffin would get an ISO on the wing or in the paint. I mean, that's really all you saw. Now, now Kawhi and Paul George come over. And what does he tell them? Carry us. Just give the ball to them and just carry us. So it seems like all he's basically doing is just praying and hoping that the best players on the team will just carry them the way. I mean, that's not really good coaching.
2: The one, the one, the one, I'm to cut you off. Okay. The one thing I will mention is you mentioned that you end up having the pick and roll with Paul and, and Griffin and you end up having these mismatches, right? Is that not his scheme or is that just like coincidence? Because you have these mismatches where like you can take advantage of Kawhi, you know, driving and kicking, or you have Paul George in the wing trying to facilitate or whatever. That's more, I guess, I guess my, my problem with that is, is that not, in, is that like, is that just happening throughout the floor of basketball? Or is that like a doc? Is that doc scheming the things up? Now I'm not saying like doc is the greatest GM ever. Cause like that whole Carmelo thing. I remember that. Yeah. You could, you could put Carmelo on that team. And I think that they make more noise, but we're talking about him going to a, a team in the Sixers. Who has had no success, like no success in the playoffs for going on 20 years, right? Like, yeah, they made it past the first round last last year or um, the year before this. They got swept in the first round this past year with a high, with an astronomically high payroll. They're the Sixers' biggest calling card under under, uh, Brett Brown was defense. They could not score. Doc's a defensive, like, he's tied as, like, this defensive coach. He needs to figure out how to make this team score. So I think that, yeah, we're talking about all he, what he didn't and didn't do and all these different stops. I think this stop right here is different from all these other stops because he needs to figure out how to take a team that can play defense already. Like, he don't have to worry about the Sixers playing defense. Their biggest problem is they can't play offense. Like, they have no offensive sets to to speak of. And maybe that's not Doc's strong suit. So Doc Rivers, the coach, needs to figure out who is he going to hire, who is he going to bring in to make the Sixers an actual offensive threat as well because I'm tired of watching the Sixers lose every night, you know, holding their opponents to 90 points and they can barely scrap together 88. Like, I'm tired of watching – like, I don't want to see MB, you know, throw up nonsense from the three. Like, no, I need actual, like, I need some plans here. Like, what are we going to do? So I think that, I think that your argument is correct, that we need to see what Doc Rivers' offensive set is going to be with this team. But they also have to figure out what's their plan? What's their, what's their roster plan? Because you look at the Sixers, like, yeah, okay. People start around like, oh, yeah, Tobias Harris had his best year under Doc Rivers, Whatever. We need to figure out like how we gonna make Embiid a a legitimate threat. Simmons a legitimate threat, and all these and these three guys is on the court at the same time around them. Put the ball in the in the basket. That's like the biggest goal. Like I'm not worried about defensively. I'm worried about this team can't put together like Brett Brown couldn't put together offensive play to save his life, and that's the biggest problem with the Sixers is they could never. Take advantage of any type of defense. Like, it didn't matter if Nick Nurse is running boxing one, or it didn't matter if you're in the zone, man to man. They couldn't score, like, period. They could not score. So now, what is Doc Rivers going to do to create offense? Now, if that's taking advantage, now, if he wants to run pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid, fine. As long as there's something I can say, like, he's doing something, I need to see. I, I haven't seen any offensive consistency over this for the Sixers in the last five to seven years. Maybe Doc Rivers brings some type of offensive consistency. I'm just happy that they – I I think more so the hire of Doc Rivers was good because of all the -the off-the-court things that he can do for an NB, for a Simmons, motivating these guys to finally get over this, like, mediocre hump that they can't seem to get over. That's more so where I'm saying, like, this Doc Rivers thing was a good hire. I think that they would have been like, I, I don't think the Clippers get better by hiring Ty Lue. Like we, we don't know, but just going about like, yeah, Ty Lu won a championship, but doesn't mean Ty Lue's a top five coach. Now maybe he can take Kawhi and, and Paul George and do something different that Doc didn't do. We don't know that it has yet to be seen, but I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath on that, especially Ty, Ty Lu or Dan Tony with the Sixers as is currently constructed. I don't trust either one as much as I do. Trust Doc Rivers to figure it out. Wait, um,
0: I want to definitely touch on what you said about uh, what – and I understand what you're coming from and what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, but at the end of the day, we really don't know what offensive setup he has until, like you said, we have to watch them play. But I do want to touch on the fact that you had mentioned uh, Paul George and what uh, Tyronn Luka do quite a lot in Paul George. Um, I don't know about how, how you guys think, but uh, I don't think Paul George is – a superstar. He's a regular season stat. He gives you the stats. I just can't. Every time in the playoffs, he, he's just a no show. Uh, I don't. I can't put Paul George as a superstar, and I can't. I don't want to rely. You know, it's crazy how you should. You, you should be able to rely. Is Paul George a top? The top twenty. The top twenty player in the NBA. Like, would you guys put him? Put, put him in that category? The top twenty NBA player. Yeah, I mean, he's an All Star player, so. I would say he's top 20. He's top 25, He you want to say it, man. Still an I all-star. Mean, I mean, I just don't see him. He's not a superstar in my eyes, but like I said. He's uh, not a superstar. You, know, you don't got to be superstar to be top 20. 20. He's not right. But my whole thing is uh, I just feel like I don't think the Clippers – I don't know. Like, the Clippers had Tyron lose the coach, but I just don't know about, like, the roster. I mean, disregarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, he know he's going to put up the stats in the regular season. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think Ty, I don't know what the Clippers can really do. Honestly, I mean, I think I had them going to the conference. They could, they could possibly make it to the finals. I'm not really sure, but uh, we'd have to see what Tyronn Lue could do. Uh, I, so I guess Chris, Chris K made his point. Doc Rivers, he likes Doc Rivers as a hire. Chris and Jamar not, not really fans of it. We're just going to really touch on the last topic. We really got a little bit off, but Chris did speak about Dave Dave Yeager as an assistant coach. I think that was an underrated uh, move to six. I think the Sixers so far in the offseason, they made pretty good hires. So, um, I mean, besides Doc Rivers, I'm still neutral on that. Uh, I'm really neutral on that until we see what he can do. But I think as assistant coach, David Yeager, I think that was a great choice as assistant coach. He was always known for his defense. Under uh, Chris, you're a Kings fan. I I think you could testify under uh, Yeager when he was a coach for the Kings. Buddy Hill and De'Aaron Fox played a lot better. De'Aaron Fox was always a good defensive player, but he played superb defense under uh, Coach Yeager. And I think he's going to bring that uh, defensive identity to the Sixers. Which uh, I don't think you guys think Doc Rivers can do, but David Jagger can absolutely do that. Uh, he was the one that a- actually helped improve Buddy Hill too. He had a career year, I think, under Coach Coach Yeager. Am I, am I right, Chris? Uh yeah, he did. He had a career year. So I just think that was like a great sign in for the um for the Sixers to really have. I just think I think the Sixers have the, the right coaching staff uh to make to make it to the finals. I mean, honestly, the East isn't that strong besides the Nets on paper before the offseason changes. Obviously, the Nets, the Celtics, I'm not really high on the Bucks at all. So, the you know, the Greek freak shows me something besides the spin moves and muscling people. Uh, the Raptors, I don't really think the Sixers have any problem with the Raptors. Uh, I, I think the Sixers can make it to the finals in, on the East side. The only competition I see is the Nets and Celtics. I mean, am I wrong about that or no? You can't you can't count on Toronto. Uh, I'm not I'm not counting on Toronto, but I feel like the true competition in the East for the Sixers is really the Celtics and the Nets on paper and that we the don't thing
2: know about what the Nets here's the thing about the Nets, and I'm not about to say like the Nets are, are gonna fall apart, but we know the Nets are gonna implode at some point. Oh. oh man. And here's the thing, not on the court. Kyrie and KD are like they're cool, right? They're, they they could be complementary pieces. Either one can take the ball up the court. Either one can you know do what the other one does. Off the court, like we see, like KD always got an issue with somebody, right? KD had an issue with Kerr. KD had an issue with Draymond. Kyrie had an issue with St- Brad Stevens. Kyrie had an issue in, in Boston. Kyrie had an issue with LeBron. These, these two are are people who have issues with other people. You have a, a first year head coach and Steve Nash, right? You got KD playing with the Nets for the first time. Kyrie. And, you know, we don't know really Kyrie where his head at. I don't think this is gonna like, I really think this is gonna be like they gonna either be good for the first year and then flame out, or they just gonna flame out by the end of the year. I don't think this lasts, like I don't think it's gonna be like a thing in five years. Like okay. I think one of them, I think somebody gonna go,
0: but if we used to talk, to...
2: Steve Nash gonna be like, "Yo, get me up out of here! These dudes is crazy," or something. But I don't but think it I... lasts long.
0: So you don't think they're competitive? I mean, cause Mar, so I had, think
2: they're competitive. I don't think they're gonna be competitive.
0: For, the challenge uh,
2: fixes? Not no. I think they'll be competitive in the East. Like I think they could be a top three team in the East. Like they could even win the East. But I don't think they I don't think they're together after this year is what I'm saying. Oh man. As okay. presently constructed, I don't think they like here's the thing. And if the if the if the wheels fall off quickly with the Nets, Dinwiddie, Allen Levert gone. Right. Then it's gonna be Nash gone. Then it's gonna be Kyrie or KD gone. Like they're gonna blow it up. Huh. Like I don't think it. they I don't think it lasts. More than a year. Like, I'd be really shocked because you have guys like who are supremely talented, but their egos are huge and they're quick to point the finger at somebody else. So, how long does it go before they start blaming each other if stuff goes left? You know what I mean? Right, right. Because you like, it's one thing to be like supremely talented, like which they both are, but they're quick, they're going to be like, yo, if something goes wrong, would it like, and hear me out. Would it be out the realm of possibility if you start hearing reports, Kyrie, Kyrie's camp think KD's the issue? KD's camp thinks Kyrie's the issue. KD mm. and Kyrie think that Steve Nash is the issue. Mm. Like it's it's quite possible.
0: Yes. Yeah, and I think
2: it's more possible with like they already said, like they was on the podcast together and they said, oh yeah, well, I don't think we we don't really need no head coach. Like what? How you you just hire a coach and you're gonna be like, yeah, I don't really think we need a head coach. Yeah, like You yeah, think Steve Nash going if stuff go left, you think Steve Nash is going to be hanging around? I don't think I'll so. Say, yeah. No. I mean,
0: definitely. I almost forgot about those comments they made. I mean, like I said, I think like I said, I'm neutral with the Doc Rivers. Um, There's not really that much competition in the East. I think if Doc Rivers does a great job, take uh, I think the East, I think the Sixers go to the to NBA Finals Nate, and they represent the East. The West is just a a toss-up. So, But, you know, uh, that was so that concludes episode nine of the Restricted Zone podcast. A lot of debates, it was pretty good. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I want to thank everyone that's tuning in and listening and giving this podcast a listen. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Chris, could you give out your, your your podcast information, where to check it out, reach you, and et cetera?
2: Uh, thank you all for having me once again. Um, you can follow. My podcast at STTP podcast on all your favorite socials. Follow me at underscore Chris Cross on all your favorite socials. Straight to the point, we drop weekly. So we'll have um, extended conversations on some of the same topics that we've talked about here in the Restricted Zone podcast. And once again, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate talking with you guys. It's very rare that you have some type of, you know, you get that debate going on. So I'm always glad to, to talk with, you know, you guys. Y'all did stump me on that top five. I ain't gonna let y'all forget, but I'm gonna I'm <laughs> come back and redeem myself for that one. Y'all, I wasn't prepared. Oh, man, I thought I, y'all was gonna let me skate on by with that one. No, I was prepared no. to defend that one, so it's, it's not. not I got me. I got
0: me. I'm ready for the challenge, though. It's not a top five, but thanks a lot. We're glad to have you. Can't wait. Uh, Chris and Mar, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you guys taking the time and joining on today's podcast, and I appreciate it.
1: Anytime, bro. There you know.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in, everyone, and we'll see you guys next week.